Welcome to Money Down Podcast. This is episode one for the investor inside us all. I'm Zero Down Willis here with our co-host, Big Money Bates. What's going on? Man, I'm trying to figure this out, dude. Um, yeah, get closer to your mic. <laughs> it's, you're going to be that guy today, I know. I'm going to invest in boxing gloves when this is over. I got to be your dad today and help you walk you through this microphone. Is, it, so that is this better? It's a little better. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little creepy. All right, dude. So what is right. the uh, topic for episode one? I, I wrote down in our show notes, what type of investments are we, like you and me, looking for? Do you want to talk about that today? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So for big money, what do you invest in? First of all, I would say you need, you need to really kind of channel the enter you and what you're capable of doing. So my particular skill set is with my hands, things that I can build and improve and resell. So particularly for me individually right now, it's things like um, my natural business is in real estate. So I do... Uh, my partner and I, we do a few flips each year. I mean, they're getting harder to find. I mean, last year was a good year. Uh, we got a one going right now, one more potential. But I like buying things, holding, and then resell. Um, you know, different, a little bit different for me and you is I, I like spending money <laughs> in the investments and then reselling and recouping that money. That's just right. an area that I'm comfortable with, right? So it's not right or wrong. It's just about what knowing what you're comfortable with and what you can execute. Because the more you can individually execute, the less services you have to pay for and the profits tend to get wider in that scenario. Makes sense. So so in a, a yearly calendar, your main profits are coming from your flips? Right. Um, pretty much no asset holding. I mean, we're holding asset for a little while, but I mean, golly, 90 days, 120 days max. Okay. How long does it take you to find that property? Dude, I'm in the business and it's hard. Prices are very hard, uh, high right now. Uh, inventory is very low. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a unique market what we're experiencing. So, I mean, what, what it's, I'm looking at my calendar here. It's G, uh, July 15th, right? So we just bought our first property of the year in April. I think we closed April 30th, right? Okay. And we've been looking since last October. Okay. Um, and we don't want to do it for nothing. It's not that we couldn't have pulled the trigger before then, but I mean, you got to spend money to make money, but at the same time, you want to make money. We just don't want to spend it to break even because uh, yeah. these projects, the way we do them are a lot of effort, a lot of individual effort. Um, How many like, properties did you look at before you landed on that one and secured it? I'm looking every day. Um, so you kind of lost track of like how many yeah well let me say this like i don't physically have to be in a property to understand that property but because of my natural background i'm in a lot of houses every day every week i know areas and different things and that's something that a lot of people don't know so a lot of people that are trying to do this kind of thing are going to be more they're going to want to visit the property they're going to want to walk through it inspect it this this particular property i got I wasn't afforded those abilities, but I was confident 
when I made the offer um, out about the area, the return, etc. So yeah. I, I basically bought this house sight unseen, which means I've not been inside it. However, I did drive by it. I did look at it from a statistical point of return. And um, in that scenario, you kind of got to make some assumptions. Some worst case scenarios is always the best. But again, it fits into my natural, let's say my primary business, right? Of knowing these things that average person wouldn't, Um, you know, so it does give me a little bit up on the market. Like I never saw the house until I had a contract on it. No pictures were available inside. I mean, it was a little bit of a scary deal, but it's good. You know, the market's good. It's, it's actually our return has grown. Our potential return has grown since we bought it because the market's escalated so much month over month, you know, so our, our initial forecast doesn't exist anymore. And I say that in, it's increased. It's, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Our, what's the furthest you'll drive for a flip? Depends on what kind of flip. That, uh, and let me explain. So let's like say a, the best case scenario. Like well, if I'm, just if I'm doing a full flip, like bottom to top renovation, I want to be more hands-on. I really don't, you know, Manchester, uh, Woodbury, Lebanon. And I'll be honest with you, it's not for, it's just for per- I really don't want to be in Nashville. I don't want to drive towards Nashville. But if the money's there, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll bite the bullet. But uh, we really like within about 30 or 40 minutes of the smaller areas, Rutherford County and around. Yeah. Um, now, if they're if they're if if they're a true what I call a true flip, like all I'm doing is literally flipping them. Somebody just needs to get out, wants a good cash deal, quick close. I'll buy them and I'll never touch them and I'll just resell them. Hmm. I'll, I'll put them on the market and, and get market investor price, not off market investor price. Then there is a difference. Okay, what's the difference? Well, the difference is if if I buy it if I buy it off market, you know, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a price, quick close, all that stuff, no fees involved. It's going to be really really clean. Most likely, if it goes on market. Not always, you're just going to, you're just, it's going to be likely that you're going to get more first-time investors, more people that are, mm-hmm. have watched HGTV and feel like they got the sentiment, they can, you know, they can do it. Now, those offers will be higher in general, because probably some of those will be financed back. Gotcha. Um, but there'll be fees and stuff. So you'll, you'll most likely get a higher offer, but you incur a lot more risk. They'll want inspections and walkthroughs and all these things that don't really come with my offer, right? But there is a cost for my offer, right? I I do have to protect. If I remove my protection, I have to secure that with me, you know, via money, right? Right, right. So, you know, the less I look at the property, the less I can pay, you know, the less I can pay for it. So what keeps you from buying and holding and like finding a renter? Dude, you and you asked that question because you know you and I have talked about this. Rental is I kick myself in the butt because I'm 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 really not gonna prove I'm really going against what I'm doing <laughs> when I'm talking. But renter renting is a great long-term game. I really think that's the future. I mean, there's so many people moving in and we're seeing 
the people that we're competing with in the market are the rental companies. Uh, and they're not bad or good. So if I name names, I'm just naming names, for example, like Progress, they're a national wide company, American Homes for Rent, AM4R. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird LLC name, but these companies are nationwide and they own thousands of houses and they're getting real competitive in our market because they know where the rental market is going. And so, yes, that is ultimately where I should be diving in. But the problem for me is as a ultimately a small investor pocket, it takes so long. Like I don't really want to get into one house at a time. I would like to hit in my mind, three houses before my risk reward mm-hmm. emotional connection is met, right? So you'd need to have three houses you're running out before it made sense for you. For for me, and and yeah. so the quickest path, I mean, the quickest path I could see doing that would probably take me about eighteen months. Why, why, do you, little, why do you say eighteen months? Well, for for cash and the mm-hmm. the financial aspect of it all running around like to be able to turn what cash you got into more cash and, and taking that cash and getting it back and reinvesting it back into another house. I want to have to show proof of rental income. So if yeah. I just went out and bought one house right now, cash money, which I could do, I'm going to have to sit on that house for a year, have a tax return on it, show profits, show income, show leases for the bank to be willing to want to finance, take that home to finance to return my money to go buy another one. So why right? not and just then that do... process repeats, right? <clears throat> and the more I get, the quicker money... the money gets too. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, but what about like this scenario where you have enough to do 20% down on multiple houses, right? Mm-hmm. Like the money oh, you're yeah, talking yeah, about sure. is to cash money to buy one house, but why not do a 20% down on multiple? Well, it's okay. And then let your renter pay that. Yeah, I'm going to pick on you because it's not like buying a car where you're financing it all. That's why we call them zero down will and season the zero down opportunity. Which I, <laughs> I ain't got to talk about my investments. Yeah, right. But um, they're not as big for sure. Well, but that's the that's the key. So your investments doesn't impact your financial ability and ability, meaning like your debt to income. Uh, every time I do a finance, I'm going to take a credit hit, gotcha. uh, which I have room for that. That's not a big deal. Um, in, in the in the concept of like three hits, three or four hits in a year. To your point, taking credit hits, I'm good enough there right now to weather that storm, but right. it, it is a hit nonetheless. So, but the money issue is like every time I finance a house at 20%, I got to be able to afford that mortgage payment, and they won't they won't reduce that debt against me until I have proof that it can be reduced. So if you do like two or three houses, the, mm-hmm. your credit doesn't affect it until 30 days, right? No, 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 no. It, it, let's remove the credit issue. Okay. For some people, that could be a credit issue. For yeah, me, I thought that's what you were saying. Not credit score issue. But when you're okay. loaning money from a bank, um, for those of you who don't know, they look at basically two things. They look at your credit score. It's mm-hmm. going to impact your uh, interest rate the, the most. And then your debt to income. That's DTI. Right, right. Now, your DTI really is the propellant into how much money you can borrow. So every time you borrow money, that lowers your DTI because you have more debt versus right. your income. Right, right. So um, if you want the bank to look at that debt and kind of make it a wash, you got to have the income to record it. So when I buy these homes, let's say if I bought, I would have to not only maintain all my current 
liabilities, loans, and different things, I would have to be able to cover those current loans and liabilities. And I just don't see that happening. Like three extra homes on my plate. Yeah, yeah. Now in 12 months, when I have established income, tax return on them, the bank will cancel that. It's not canceling it, but they will look at it as a wash. It won't affect my DTI as it immediately does. Okay, so then what about the route of taking, still looking at the 20% and then taking the rest of that to flip a house? Yes. What's keeping you from doing that? Prices. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean seriously, that, that's it. With um, with, with my partner nine, and it's not important, um, I don't want to talk about it, but our exact ability, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily important. But that that the the problem is is buying buying that house and upgrading it to a livability situation and then yeah then basically trying to finance that back to recoup some of that expense just so, for some of that money to come back home to flip right mm-hmm. and then go out there and buy another house and then have room for the budget right i mean that's potentially 100 hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to make that move. But Mm. that's kind of, I mean, you know, that's the theme of our kind of our deal. It's like, what can we do? What can all of us kind of get involved in Mm -hmm. like at a smaller level? Because if I come out here and said, I just want to talk about million dollar investments, we've lost everybody. I don't know anybody like that. Well, I do, but you know what I mean? I don't really want to cater to that crowd because they already know what they're doing. But if you got some asset and some equity in your home and you got a little bit of cash and I know a little bit's relative, that's going to be different for everybody. But I think you and I are going to have some interesting topics and ideas for these people to explore. It's kind of bittersweet because now we're kind of inspiring our competitors. But at the same time, I think we are a good steward with our knowledge and our resources. Right. Just for somebody that has that uh, opportunity experience or or wants to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, we can, in these, in these, what I consider smaller deals and to some people, they're going to seem like big deals, mm-hmm. but, but in my, but in my work ethic, I mean, I'm, or not work ethic, but in my work experience, you know, I'm, I'm looking at multi-million dollar companies buying properties nationwide and I'm just one dude and his partner right. and their, and their families embracing uh, which I know you love to call, you know, passive secondary side hustle money. Yeah. That can, that can really turn into great like active income. Yeah. Active income. There we go. And I know that's yeah. a thing for you too. So, yeah, for me. So I'll talk a little bit about uh, the investments I look at. Like I, first off, like a side note, I, I have a full-time job as a software engineer. Like I, so I took off a little bit of time to, to talk to you and um, i work remote but on the side i'm looking at zero down investments where i can use other people's money and um i started this a while back in i guess 2019 yeah so um what was the last thing you heard actually i heard nothing okay well so zero down investments is what i I like to get into and um, as a side note I work for a software company full-time so I don't have a ton of time and with two 
two kids, wife, and um, then needing my time as well. So after after hours, I have very limited time of what I can put it into. Um, I think my VPN actually from my company kicked me off. Um, that's why I got kicked off in the middle of conversation. But I'm back. I'm back. So zero down investments is what I'm looking for. Right now, um, I have two Teslas that are in, that are rented out in Turo. And both of them, I was able to secure a zero down transaction and go straight into payments. So I'm using other people's money to uh, to generate income. So, well, I got a quick question for you because I love the finance part of it. Like what, how do you get zero financing on that kind of car? Is that just, is that through Tesla or is that through like, have a relationship at Redstone Federal Credit Union, for example, or yeah, I have a I have a relationship with a bank called uh, Ascend Federal Credit Union here in Tennessee. Okay, I don't know if they're nationwide. I think it's mainly Tennessee, but I don't know. I know their headquarters in Tullahoma. So um, the first one I got approved. Uh, I mean, they're both based on income, so it's going to be difficult to get very high expensive cars at first but i wouldn't even recommend that like if you're wanting to go the tarot route uh, or any other investments start small and that's what i did I, I invested in the first car that i could afford on my budget and so whether it got rented or not i was still able to pay that payment now reading um i don't know if you ever heard of the book rich dad poor dad but it got me interested in taking a little more of a um a risk and so after seeing the numbers come through on the model three i was um i was willing to take on a little more risk with the model y and this one was the first one i took on where i it'll be a stretch if i don't get this one rented and so the first month i was actually um it was a test to see okay well do i have like, is this going to be real? It could be really good or really bad. You know what I mean? And that's part mm -hmm. of that's part of the risk you take on when you go zero down into payments is, yes, you just you just locked in a commitment to payment. So if you didn't do enough research on the front end, if you didn't do enough market research to see, like, if there's demand for that car or whatever asset you're buying, uh, you could put yourself in a big bind. So. You got so having a relation. First of all, we're both in a relationship business in terms of money, right? I mean, that's yeah. My goal like. is to my goal is to build up a team around me, like, uh, and I got that from Robert Kiyosaki. Like having a uh, almost like a wealth advisor or a mm -hmm. strategist, someone to help guide you along and and manage your money. Um, that's somebody I'm looking for. Uh, someone else um, was instrumental for the teslas was was finding somebody at the bank at the federal credit union that was um that was willing to to have a conversation about okay this this is the loan that you can you can get yeah because when i mean you're the you're the tech guy I, I work with studs and drywall right and when you told me about this whole thing i, I think you probably agree like i was kind of like interested but you probably noticed a real kind of skeptical yeah you know um feeling i had you know it just couldn't wrap my hand around it but yeah and that's what i love i love i hope you realize i love talking to you and heck we're doing a podcast but 
Like it's really, really intriguing to me, this whole scenario. Um, yeah. Because I'm still stuck in the model of renting a car from Hertz. And I don't think we're here saying Hertz is bad or car, whatever rental place yeah. is bad, but there's definitely some more options out there now that wasn't. Right. Um, and I'm just kind of like, again, I'm back here stuck in the mud and then, but I'm talking to my clients and stuff out loud saying, Hey, I know this buddy and we're doing this and that. And they're like, Oh man, I've rented off a of Toro before. I'm like, really? You know, I mean, again, I guess I need an upgrade, you know, myself into the age, but, but, you know, developing that team, I mean, what, why, why exactly Tesla? Yeah. So I picked a, an asset I was excited about. So you know, I was well, doing you're research. excited about cars or you were excited about the technology? No, I don't really Tesla. care about, yeah, I don't really care about cars. I never did. Right. Like, but the technology in, in the cars of Tesla excited me like full self-driving it's definitely going to be the future at some point right now it's not really it's in beta mode and it could be for 10 years you just never know um that last 0.1 percent is going to be really challenging for them to accomplish so i don't know when they'll actually do that um but yeah man the technology behind that is is pretty impressive so, I, I mean, just my excitement from that asset and seeing that there's a huge following and there's a niche of people that will rent that car. How do you feel about Elon? I mean, he, I mean, I mean that's like your national spokesperson for, yeah. you know what I mean? Does that help or hurt? He gets traction. You have to say it, that. Whatever he says gets traction. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps the brand. Even when he says off-color stuff, like it still helps the brand because he's getting sure. record. It's getting, um, he's getting in the news or whatever. But the car, like if you separate Elon from the car, the car is fantastic. Like even if I didn't know Elon, like that car is extremely impressive. No, oh, I'll second that. I mean, you put put my back in the seat the other day. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but um, <clears throat> one of the things, though, that I'm always looking for is is zero down investment. And um, I was thinking long term that it would be like a robo taxi type of thing. But after doing more research, I realized the the car would have to it would have to endure like 90,000 miles a year to make the thirty thousand dollars a year. Does that make sense? Mm hmm. So to cure that kind of income, that car would put would be put through the ringer pretty quickly. Um, <clears throat> but with the million mile battery they're working on, it would last. I think. I mean, don't don't like quote me, but I think it's like between seven to eleven years, which is a big number, di big difference. But um, <clears throat> anyways, the cars that I have right now don't have that battery. So it doesn't make sense for me to put them in RoboTaxi anymore. Like I was looking at that. And so I've kind of leaned in more to Turo because of that, because right now I'm generating, well, for the Model 3, from January to May, I was generating $1,000 a month and my note is 840. So it was just a couple hundred dollars of extra, right? But because my personal budget was um, able to afford the 840 a month 
when I started making money from it on Turo, it freed up my personal. So it felt like I was actually making the whole thousand. And um, when I invested in the Model Y and my payment was 805, that first month in June, I generated $3,500. And so the note was paid and, and then I was able to procure like net from that. And so I felt like that proved my, uh, my concept, right. Of getting a second car and, and validating that it was, it was going to work, but we'll see. I'm in, this is the second month right now. We're mid July. The note for the model Y is paid for this month, but the three is not. So then some of the personal income is going to come from that, but, um, we'll see. Well, and I love, I mean, I love to look at things too, like depreciation. And I know you do too. In regard, do you feel like in, in your model, well, when, and when I say depreciation, I'm really referring to like an exit strategy. Yeah. So yeah. like if you just said, man, you know, I'm just done working, renting these cars out. I want to exit the depreciation wear and tear and then your sale price. I mean, do you find that um, doable? I'm, I'm trying to think how to make that more sense. Like, you no, I hear you saying like you want an exit strategy for yeah. sure. For me though, um, I only wanted an exit strategy when I was purchasing an ICE vehicle. And when I say ICE, I just mean internal combustion engine, right? Like that has a lot more wear and tear, a lot more maintenance mm -hmm. involved. So my first car was a Mazda 3 and my payments were 165 a month. And in Turo, I was making over $300. And, but... I started running into an issue of maintenance. More maintenance was coming up. So it was eating into any profits that it had. So I knew at one point, okay, to exit this car, when I bought our, our new house, we paid that car off. So I had whatever I sold in it, it would have profited. But the note on that was $8,000. And I did the math and I ended up breaking even on that car when I got rid of it for selling it for 5,000. Because I'd made $3,000, I believe, from Turo within a year or whatever. And so you do have to be mindful of that. Like I, I would, if you were going to look at Turo, it would be start off with a car you already, you have in your garage that you're not really using that you can, you can rent out. And, um, and then you can kind of find your niche from there. But the reason... I don't really have an exit strategy for the for the Teslas because I expect them to last 300 to 400,000 miles. And so by the time it's paid off, I'm in five years for one and then seven years for the other, I'll, um, <clears throat> I'll be just taking in pure profit from at that point, right? Mm -hmm. And then paying off insurance, whatever it is for that month. And I'll be honest with you, that, that's the perfect point for me is when I looked at it, I was looking at it very analog. I was looking at it combustion, right? Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, all this, all this stuff is going to, you know, break. You're going to be wearing it out, but it comes back to knowing what you're buying, knowing your market, yeah. you know, understanding like, I mean, that doesn't necessarily wake me up in the morning and get excited. But that makes me excited for you because I know that's in your wheelhouse. Like, yeah. it makes more sense to me now knowing that we're, it's not it's not apples to apples. 
Right. I mean, your product is a way different product. It requires yeah. way different, actually way less things. It's projected to wait, last way longer, yeah. you know? And so those kind of things to me start to resonate and I get, uh, I'm definitely not skeptical like I was when you first told me, I'm like, well, this is crazy. Yeah, you know? it does take a crazy person to take on something like this. Cause you gotta be, cause when I first put the, my Tesla in, I was super hesitant because I enjoyed that car. But I knew I just was tired of paying the monthly, but I wanted to keep it because I knew it was a good investment. And so that first month I made a thousand dollars and I was I sat back. I was like, OK, this might be worth it. But then I had this one star review come in. And sorry, sorry. I did. I took I took it off Turo and just like sat down and like looked at that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like there's. And one of the things I didn't realize was people renting on Turo have zero experience with a Tesla. They have zero experience. So they jump in expecting it to be like an internal combustion. They don't plan out their routes. They just drive and expect there to be a charging location near them. And I had a guy plug into a light pole and it didn't charge. And I had to step in and, and be creative and find a way to, to help him out. But he was not grateful at all for me stepping in. And um, yeah, man. So I have to go out of my way for these guests to ensure that they understand what they're getting into. I mean, that you, we would think that would get easier with time as more people like myself come into that environment. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, no. I send the same wording every time. I have it all pre um, auto message to them so it's pre-planned what the messaging is and I just ensure that they read it and, and they understand what they're getting into but yeah no it's the same for every every guest every guest well, is well, I mean just like years down the line in another five years you would you would think like, right well people until the car until Teslas are like half the cars you see on the road I don't think people are going to realize right well I didn't getting. I didn't I guess yeah. you know yeah I'm, I'm with you so and you know, man, we'll, you've inspired me and you know maybe next week or our next episode two uh we can uh, you've inspired me to take on a similar project i'm not all the way there yet but a similar project i don't even know if you know about yet so i'm looking forward to sharing that with with our folks sweet well. episode two sweet so, so man i know we're we're kind of yeah we're at, at the our, time at our end right yeah. How about 60 seconds from each of us in our respected fields? Um, just a 60 second blob, core less. You got anything? I'll let you go first to add context to what you're asking. Okay. All right. So I want to share today um, in my primary focus, uh, real estate. I was having a conversation with um, an agent that I just closed the deal with um, about how it was a really good deal, how great the transaction went. And we were sharing with each other that, you know, the market is super fast right now. Inventory is low. There's a lot of cash buyers in the market right now. Um, a lot of heavy cash buyers, um, if not all cash, heavy cash. And it seems that sellers, and, and, and I'm saying this to sellers, uh, if you're selling your house right now, don't, don't be the seller that finds it a badge of honor to get an overpriced offer. Um, be patient, accept the right offer. Everybody's getting inflated offers right now. Look for the offers that have appraisal gap. 
um, and more guaranteed, more cash money down. Um, it takes about a monkey and a, um, a banana to get an inflated offer right now in our market. So uh, sellers seem to want to get out there and get proud and have all these showings and all these offers. And it it does matter to an extent, but at the end of the day, you're looking for the right one that can guarantee the right amount of money. So um, in, in my business model, that's what I'm looking for for my sellers. Um, just be a little, oh, how am I going to say, a little, I dare to say humble to make somebody mad, but be, be, re, be respectful and concentrate on the finer points of the contract rather than just the the, the bottom number. Because most of these houses are not going to appraise anyway. I can offer you a million bucks. It's not going to appraise for a million bucks. Mm. You know, look look what I'm guaranteeing. Look, look at the guaranteed money. So that's it. Nice. I actually don't have a blurb, but I'll do our outro. Okay, do your outro. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Money Down Podcast. I'm Sean Willis with our co-host, Big Money Bates. Thanks again for listening. Peace out.